Hey, welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm your host, Kurt Flagel, and on the show, we are continuing our talk on the Enneagram and the way home. This is part three. Through this whole series, we have been discussing each Enneagram number, their wounds, their fears, their desires, the particular divine attribute that God wants them to see in himself that would connect to them because he is the way home. So we're wrapping this whole thing up with the head triad, which consists of the Enneagram numbers 5, 6, and 7, and 7 being mine. So this is exciting for me specifically. So let's jump into it with my guest, Kim Ward. All right, well, let's talk about the last triad, which is... The head triad. I like those people. Yeah, I kind of like them too, since I'm one of them. I would really hope. (laughs) And, And you are. Not. I am not. <laughs> I am most definitely not. So the that head triad. would have been triad. easier for me. What's that? <laughs> My brain keeps thinking it'd be easier. If you were in the head triad. It's funny how we always think some other personality would be better. Yeah. And so we actually experience the, the trauma and the drama Ugh. of those types. Right. So when we're talking about the head or the mind, right, it's fives, sixes, and sevens. And for five, sixes, and sevens, the crucial practice for them is silence. Uh, The temptation in life for all three of those types is that I am what I have. I am what I have. Yes, and silence is the crucial practice. All right, let's start with the five, and let's talk about the five's true self or virtue. So the virtue for fives is detachment. Who knew? I did. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a negative, Mm -hmm. but it isn't because of this. The idea of holy detachment is to hold on to God and nothing else. This is actually how Jesus lived. This is how he could give himself away to everyone without expecting anything back. Is that he lived out of the abundance of God's love for him, Father God's love and the power of the Holy Spirit. He held to them. This is where Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, right? God and manna, which is the world's system. You're going to hate one and love the other, right? Well, this is that idea of detachment is to detach from anything in the world that you might hold to, to hold only on to God. And from that place, when a five is at their healthiest, they have perspective, They have wisdom and perspective to share because they see things because they're not caught up in the craziness of the rat race. They've pulled back and are holding on to God. And they can then, from that place, share wisdom, a prophetic wisdom, right? Yeah, which ties in with their holy idea, which is holy transparency. The idea that, that they're not holding back, that they're not hoarding their resources, but that they're freely giving... All that they are. Their wisdom, their insight, their knowledge, their skills. Yeah. All the inner stuff, really. Yeah. And so their basic desire... Is to be capable and competent. Mm-hmm. And their basic fear is of being helpless, incompetent, and incapable. And where is the wound? For that. They fall under the rejection types. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Rejected both... The nurturing and protective caregivers as intrusive and withdrew to assume a self-nurturing and self-protective stance. 
friend of mine who happens to be a Fi, when I read that to him and described that idea of the wound, mm -hmm. that they actually reject their caregivers and assume the stance of taking care of and protecting themselves. He laughed out loud and said, they're describing my childhood. My parents would catch me in the middle of the night getting up, going and pouring my own milk and cereal and demanding that I could do it at two years old. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and rejecting their help. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's a bit early. Right? Yes. That process comes out of this idea that no one can be trusted but myself. The whole outer world around me is dangerous. So there's wounds, some wound is developed that no one else, not even the caregivers, can be trusted, and I have to take care of myself. Yes. Uh, which leads to their fixation, which is stinginess. Right? Hoarding everything Hoarding. for myself, keeping yeah. it all internal and protected internally. The idea isn't money. Right. The idea is resources and information, all of my thoughts and ideas, because the world is an unsafe place out yeah. there. And so it leads to the same thing with the passion. It's avarice. Or greed. Which is greed is the grasping. Yes. Grasping to hold on to everything that you can because you don't know what could be coming next. Mm -hmm. So you have to save it for yourself because no one else is going to do that for you. Because the world is an uncertain place. It can come and rip it all away in a heartbeat. Yeah. And so we come to the way home for them to get back to that place. So where fives, they are, where they understand that they're living out of holy yeah. detachment, of holding on to God, so that they can engage the world yes. from there. So they, of course, um, we had talked about already, but the, they are silent. Silence is their attitude that they need to work on, or their prayer posture, as it's called. But for them, it's consent. It goes back to consenting to God's love for you, and to stop trying to figure it all out because that is what the five is always trying to do mm -hmm. but just letting god's love for you wash over you yeah there's that fear of not having the answers being incapable of meeting yeah. the needs of yourself and other people they are very actually selfless at the root of who they are right yeah the transparency in their health they are giving themselves away transparent right but the fear that comes out of the wound of the uncertainty and, and unsafeness of the world creates the fear of not being capable of handling and dealing with things for themselves and other people. And when God says, I'm more than enough. Yeah. And that's where, so that's where the this practice comes in of silence. Of the silence. prayer posture. Yeah, of, of consenting to God's love and allowing it to wash over you. Receiving it. In the silence, okay. Yeah, because that's really what consenting is, is receiving mm. what God's already said about who he is to you. For fives, it's a mental silence. Yeah. They have to still the thinking. And I often give this advice. We have mind, body, and spirit. So to still the mind, they're all connected. So to still the mind is to focus on one of the others. The, the spirit or will. Or the body. And in this case, what's easiest is to focus on the breathing. Like in the stillness, focus on breathing in and, and that letting the breathing in be your invitation to God to consent to all of his love coming into you, breathing out all of your need to figure things out. And that is the silence 
that the stillness rather that needs to happen for a five is the mental, mental gymnastics. Skills. Yeah, for all of the head types. Yeah, okay, so give it to us for, for all of them. For all of you head types, when we're talking about stillness, we're not talking about your physical body necessarily, but we're talking about shutting up the voice in your brain that's going a billion miles an hour and always is coming up with ideas hmm. and being still and it's hard it's not the easiest mm -hmm. you know it's oh it's silence not stillness sorry it's silence. silence silence is the is the one for for you guys the silence the, the voice silence the voices that's the hardest to practice because it's the most necessary for five sixes and sevens let's go to six we're going to six so six Sixes, their, 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 virtue, self, their virtue, their true self is courage, hmm. which makes complete sense that that's what the enemy would attack. Yeah, yeah, and their holy and, strength and faith is there that that idea that they hold to is strength and faith, which really connects with that virtue, right? Yeah, it is God's holy faith in God's holy strength, right? Yeah. His trust that He is going to take care of them. That he is really who he says he is, and that he really will take care of them, and that they can rest and it, trust in that. Which is their basic desire comes out of that. Yeah, their basic desire is to have support and guidance. Right, which comes out of the holy strength, right, of God, yeah. faith in that. But there's a fear that is, worms its way in there. There does, um, of being without support or guidance. And that comes from a wound comes from a wound um, they're in the attachment type so they attach to the energy of the protective caregiver and subsequently become capable of self-protection from the six that's very close to me <laughs> this was her dad he was the stable parent and the protective parent the caregiver and so she attached she learned to attach to his authority yeah. and, uh, and found safety in that. So stability is a big thing for, for her. Yeah. Uh, uh, for most sixes, they experienced a world that was not stable. Because the other caregiver for her was unstable and not to be trusted. Yeah. And, uh, and actually, she has struggled with that sense of what we've talked about with you is the sense of abandonment. Yeah. Um, because of the instability of a caregiver. Makes sense. Which is probably why their, their fixation is cowardice. Mm. Which is the exact opposite of who they are. Yep. Of courage. That's who so they what are. they struggle with the most, or their passion, is fear. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. I, I know another six who... I'm just starting to get to know, but I, who I really enjoy. And, you know, from the outside, you kind of go, wow, like, you're amazing. Like, you're smart and sweet and funny. And then you start going a little bit deeper, and you're like, oh, boy. You know, this smart, sweet, and funny person is riddled with fear. Mm. Fear of, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. Almost. Mm -hmm. uh, the irony is, is in The Road Back to You, there's a checklist of 20 things that each of? number uh, experiences, and she said yes to all 20. <laughs> yeah, this is the funny part. So in the head triad, you get the five, 
who's afraid of what's out there and so goes internal. Got the seven, me, that's afraid that they're incapable of handling the uncertainty of the inner world, so they go out there. Yeah. And then you got the six, who's afraid of both. (laughs) And is stuck. And yet God is telling them that their true self underneath all those layers of fear and the lies of the enemy that they won't be supported and guided is that they are courage itself. Yeah. Amazing. And and for sixes in the silence in the yeah, silence, I said the right one this time. In the silence it's engaging God's love, making it the source of your for a three, it would have been affirmation, but for the six, it's allowing God's love to silence your fears. Mm. That's a big deal because the fears speak very loud voices in, in the head triad. For all three of the head triad, the fear is, speaks loudly. Very loudly. Like where the gut triad, the instinct triad is anger. And then you have the emotional triad, right? Which I, I believe I've heard a lot of times is there's shame. Shame is, yeah, is definitely what is I've heard. an overriding sense in, in the two, threes, and fours. Well, fear is the overriding factor uh, in the yeah. s- five, sixes, and sevens. And so for the six who f- finds no real source of outlet, like the, the fives go internal, the sevens go external, they don't find it either way other than in, in, in a supportive authority. And God is the one saying, come to me. And this is how you can still the fears come to me in the silence. Yeah. Well, it's not the easiest thing to do. It's funny thing about silence. When you're silencing your own voices, then you're allowing God's voice to speak mm. in those moments. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's certainly not the same things he's going to be telling you. He does not speak fear and he does not speak condemnation. Right. But he Romans, speaks truth. Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. It's not him speaking that. And also perfect love casts out fear. Mm-hmm. And, and a friend of mine said, some of the translations say, fear has to do with an expectation of judgment. Yeah. And so God casts out the expectation of fear and judgment. All right. And on to the seven. Last... The last, but, but definitely, definitely not least. Definitely not least. Can't say that with a seven sitting across from me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, brother. <clears throat> All right. So your virtue for the seven is sobriety. That's really interesting because sevens are one of the most addictive personalities in their false self. Yeah. At living out of the false self, they, they go to... They struggle with uh, addictions. Yeah, and your holy idea is holy wisdom. Which makes me laugh, personally. Because my name, Kurt, in German, is um, Wise Counselor. Huh. I like (laughs) it. Sounds fitting to me. (laughs) I could be slightly biased. (laughs) So, yeah, so it's really interesting for those, for the number that wrestles the most out of, in their false selves with addictions mm. that God says sober wisdom as who they really are yeah yeah sobriety so to look at the world out of a sober perspective by connecting to God's holy wisdom as as your source yeah so 
So the basic desire for the seven is to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. And their basic fear is of being trapped in pain and deprivation. I can't get no. That's satisfaction, dear. Well, yeah. And, my, and the desire is to be satisfied, right? And the opposite mm. of satisfaction is it's deprivation. deprivation. Mm-hmm. I know, I just couldn't resist. If you're going to sing, then I'm going to mock. That really wasn't singing. That was horrible. <laughs> I was kind of talking. Talk singing. There I was just a hint. Because I can't sing. So. What? I, I, I'm pretty sure I heard something on CD that might say otherwise. So we, okay, so we have... Um, so you're on the frustration types. Yeah, that's... And for very, a type 7. Very true, I should say. Which um, you wouldn't know from oftentimes from looking at a 7 from the outward perspective. Because yeah. they're such... They're giving off so much energy in the external world of joy and happiness and all this. Um, but there's a lot of frustration underneath that. And that comes from the wound. Which is, they're frustrated the nurturing caregiver didn't nurture enough. So it compensates by assuming a self-nurturing stance. And for me, that was, my mother was the nurturing caregiver. And though I have a lot of father wounds, you know, perceived Mm -hmm. as well as experienced, for sure, both of those. It was my mother who gave love to receive love back from me. And she came from an abusive household where she was never honored, loved, or respected. And so she grew up with a lot of brokenness from that environment. And those wounds informed how she parented. And so she loved me in order to receive a lot of love back from me, which was a huge burden that I I perceived from a young age that was placed on me. Um... You know, there are things I can talk about, you know, her attempting suicide, her, you know, there's a lot going on in that. And even when my parents divorced, I was the one she called all the time and and actually looked to for advice and um, support all the way from, you know, middle school on. So the frustration, I I get that. That's yeah. that's real for me. And it, it, yeah, it makes sense that the fixation then would be planning. <laughs> And the passion, gluttony. Yeah, the planning for seven is really more about planning all the good times. Yeah. We're fixated on on the external world to feel better about the frustration and the pain and the wounds we feel inside and the doubts about ourselves, right? Yeah. And so we go to the outer world and so we plan every everything. We're very futuristic oriented, but it's all, and the planning is not about planning, you know, the very pragmatic things, which mm-hmm. is a six. Planning, you know, uh, problem-solving, pragmatism. The seven plans all the, the parties. Yeah. And I believe it was Richard Rohr in a video I saw when he was talking about the Enneagram that said, you know, often when I do a conference on the Enneagram, I, I name the numbers and ask people to raise their hands and, and to see how many of that number are in a room. And he says, do you know the number? That's rarely in the room. The, the, that very few hands go up when I name it is the seven, because this is all internal stuff, and the sevens want nothing to do with it. The, they're out there having a good time, and I sat in this conference looking around, going, "Wait, <laughs> I'm a seven. Here I am, 
in fact, at that point, I was, I was going to be a spiritual director to help other people to guide them into the internal world. Yeah, I, I will admit that is the one thing I have trouble understanding about the sevens because you're my only experience with a seven and you're one of the most introspective people I know who constantly encourages that in me and, and other people. So it, it, you know, it shows how much growth God is, mm. has uh, brought you through because you're much closer to your holy virtue and holy mm. idea, you know, than, than you started out as. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I would say if you had asked most people like to describe me in high school or middle school or whenever as when I was younger, I would be foolish. Which is the false self, right? The wisdom yeah. and sobriety is what this is the, is the true self of the seven, and I and they were seeing the false self, and that's all I knew. Yeah. And yeah, so for me, the way that's come when I became a Christ follower is pursuing God with all of my heart, mind, and soul, like really pursuing intimacy with Him. Yeah. And being very proactive on making the time to seek after him. That what was said of David, he is a man after God's own heart. That's what God said about him. What God said of David became my own heart cry. I want to be a man after your own heart. And so this is why this part, the way home and the practices for the five, six, and seven are very important to me yeah. personally. So we talked about stillness is the the go-to for all three of you, five, sixes, and seven. But for the seven, it's resting, receiving God's love. Simply resting in his love, receiving it is the way forward. And it's the gift it was always meant to be for you guys, is that rest. Mm. And of course that brings us to the, the prayer practice for all three of you, the fives, sixes, and sevens, which is something I know you have a lot of experience with, so you get to take this one. Well, it's called the. It's an ancient practice called the examen or the examen. Yes. E x a m e n. Yeah. And it really is, for me, it is the primary practice that God Himself mm-hmm. has introduced to me and said, "This is what you need." It's really interesting that he's the one who put that on my heart. I, I was introduced to the practice through some silent retreats that I go on every year yeah. at, a, at a, re, a Catholic retreat center. Six-day silent retreats. Mm-hmm. I've done four. One a year for the last four years. And the, the examine was part of that. But it was, it was really actually God who supernaturally said, Kurt, this is the practice you need to to be... At rest. Yeah, and isn't it funny that that's the one that's uh, most recommended? <laughs> yes, and it, it blows my mind that uh, <laughs> only recently did I know that that, you know, from this book, Sacred Enneagram, that that is actually what they recommend. So I, I can say it from my experience, Christopher Hertz is in line with the Holy Spirit. And so the way that the examen works is simply two questions. God where was I aware of you, your presence, in the last 24 hours? And where did I miss your presence in the last 24 hours? 
and maybe an easier way of, of, of saying it is, God, where was your presence in the last 24 hours, whether I was aware of it or I missed it? Reveal those, those moments. And then I sit in, in silence and stillness, having asked that question, and where my temptation in the past was to figure it out for myself. Now asking the question, I sit in a restful place and receive whatever memories God wants to raise up in me from the last 24 hours. And in that time of getting to see those memories of where he was there and I saw him and where he was there and I missed him, the same response comes, which is worship and thankfulness. And that comes not out of me trying to drum up a grateful heart, but out of me seeing the memories and seeing he was there that he brings forth, that I erupt in worship and thanksgiving and go, wow, even when I missed it, you're showing me now mm. so that I can have a, a greater sense of perception to see them in the next 24 hours. Yeah. And so that practice builds on itself each day. All right, well, this has been really helpful, I, I think. It's been really helpful for me, even processing this stuff. To conclude this, yeah. Kim, yes. do you have any final thoughts? Uh, I was just thinking back to what I shared with you earlier before we started this recording. We talked about this being a way home. And it's something remember is that contemplative prayer like getting into this habit it's not actually easy to do because it goes against the grain of everything we've been taught especially in our culture especially in our culture to be silent to be still and to seek solitude is not easy it requires practice but it is that matter that we are lifelong beginners and it's a journey and as you were saying, you know, you were very intentional when you became a Christian to move forward. And I think when it comes to all of this, we're trying to find our way home. And if we're not intentional about it, we get stuck. Mm -hmm. And we get so comfortable being there. And that's just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And I have to think it breaks God's heart a little bit that we aren't living out of who he created us to be. Because... And we're still living with a false self. And that hurts us and it hurts other people. Yeah. I think someone once told me, you know, we owe it to the world to be healed and to be whole. Hmm. That that is the best gift we can give to other people and to the world around us hmm. is to become who we were always meant to be in the first place. Right. And it's worth it. It's mm -hmm. not easy, but it is so, so worth it. And the beautiful thing about that is even when we run, as we see in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve hid from God, that God went after them. He, he wouldn't stand for that. And he pursued them and called out to them and questioned them so that they would respond. Yeah. Asking questions calls for a response. And God asked questions for that very purpose. And so the beauty of God is as he sees our true selves even when we don't. And he loves us for who we really are, even when we don't feel it. And he never stops pursuing us to break through every lie, every barrier, 
so that we can live out of the experience of what he sees. And that is, for me, so comforting that in my darkest place, God adores me, holds me, and pursues me. And he won't, he won't stand for that place to last. Yeah. And everything he does is to break through those lies, to get us to see what's already true of us. That's a beautiful thing. And that's a comfort that keeps me going back to him because of his grace, his power, his divine favor, and his mercy. And his mercy not an obligation, but a joyous, generous giving. <sighs> well, God, thank you for this time that you've given us to uncover the true self of each of your people and we pray everyone listening to this would hear clearly who they are, connect to a certain number that is truly them, and they will receive rest and relax into that truth of what you say about them. God, we pray that there will be power and anointing in this to break through the lies so that they can experience the truth of who you are as perfect love and the truth of who they are as your beloved. And we just pray that in the authority of Jesus that you've given us and the power of the Holy Spirit which you've also given us. Amen. Amen. Kim, thank you. Thank you, Kurt. This has been great. Like always. Until next time. You know it's going to happen. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, take care. <laughs>